Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Welcome to Women to Watch on WWDB Talk 860. My name is Edna Valentino, and I'm filling in for Sue Rocco today, who's on a well-deserved two-week vacation. Sue invited me to fill in for her, and as the associate producer of Women to Watch, I honestly could not be happier to be even more closely connected to the show today. Um, I even got the opportunity to choose my guest. I'm so excited. Beth Perennis is the owner of Sip Eco Beverage Company, a company that makes organic soda. Her website is www.haveasip.com. And it's a gorgeous website that makes me thirsty <laughs> just looking at it. So kudos to your web designer. She's a wife and a mother as well. She has a wonderful story of resilience, uh, definitely risk-taking and some fear-busting, as I call it. <laughs> she certainly inspired me with her story, and I want to welcome Beth to the show. Welcome. Thank you. Sue's big mission of Women to Watch is really to share the stories of women in order to inspire other women and young females starting out so that they can get into leadership positions, as you and I have talked, and to really change the landscape of the world. Beth, you are no exception as a woman who has had your own unique journey and you still have a long future ahead of you. I think it's so interesting when we talk about stories, we're talking about the past, and we still have all kinds of great strides to make um, as we move along. But um, in talking and sharing these stories, um, you really have an interesting beginning and um, story itself. So why don't we start with your childhood and kind of what the makeup of your family was and what life looked like for Beth when she was a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of a long story, but I'll try to sum it up. Um, I, I, I'm an only child, and um, my parents were divorced when I was seven. And um, I was very shy, but for some reason, I always had this entrepreneurial spirit, um, always trying to think of ideas of how I could create something and sell it or build something. And um, so, you know, and looking back, I definitely see that. I think a lot of it stemmed from my um, creativity because I love doing art projects and creative things. And so I think it was kind of a combination of both. It was wanting to really create something and, and get it out there. Um, so different ideas I would come up with, um, making things and selling them by the roadside or selling a wrapping paper door to door. Um, which when I, in looking back is strange because I was a shy child. So the fact that, um, I was able to do those things, I think, um, was just part of that entrepreneurial spirit that sort of overtook, you know, my shyness. Mm -hmm. Um, and were your mom and dad creative? My mom was, um, my dad was very, um, very smart and um he was an engineer so he was always like creating things or fixing things or um always had unique ideas to to um try to create things that we needed and um also had a lot of patents that he oh uh, wow that he did so i think um the way that my mind works is probably similar to my dad's but my creative side um probably came from my mom and what did your mom do my mom was mostly a homemaker initially, um, but she wanted to um, go to college. She didn't. She had me young, so um, as I got older, she 
continued to she continued her education and then got her associate's degree when I think I was about 11 or 12. So oh. um, that inspired me that, you know, she had the goal to to do that. And she set out and did it. And um, and what did she want to do? What, why did she want that degree? I think just to have it, like to say, you know, that she she did it um, and it was an accomplishment for her. And um, and then she worked um, in offices, an office type position. Um, what was the degree in? Um, it was in business. Oh, good. OK, so yeah. you got some business um, and, and that educational vision, so to speak, even yeah. through your mom and your dad obviously had it as an engineer. Right. And then he's tinkering around and trying to invent different things. So right. it sounds like the gene pool kind of got passed on to you. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And w- what was school like for you being a shy kid, but having this creative side that there was something there? Yeah. What was school like for you? Um, I, I, I seem to really, I guess, click with people that were also creative, too, um, and had, you know, strong friendships that I think um, were supportive friendships. So that really helped. I wouldn't say that I was one that was, like, with a group of people and, you know, very social, but always seemed to find certain people along the way that sort of had the same likes that I did. And Mm -hmm. so it was helpful to be supportive in that way. Now, and that shyness didn't hold you back from finding those friends? No. No. What kind of school did you go to? Public, private? Uh, public school. Okay. Yeah. So I always felt like public school, and I've been through all of them, is really, you know, in the bigger schools anyway, you always yeah. have a friend. You always have um, some group you can fit into, yeah. you know. so Somehow. I mean, it was, it was challenging for me to find friends, um, to reach out to meet a friend if somebody came to me that was okay okay um and so i think my mom saw that in being an only child i didn't have you know siblings that i could hang out with so i was always wanting to be with her which um you know was is challenging and i know that being a mom also of an only child right <laughs> uh what it's like and so um you know as i i remember one day in third grade where she forced me to go out to the playground and not come back home until i met a friend so I was like terrified. I thought it was going to be like the most traumatic experience. But um, I found a friend and came home ecstatic that I had. And then we remained friends like through that. That's so that great. Year, so. And was she creative too? Yes. <laughs> so uh, creativity finds creativity, yes, right? I think you, so. You find that that <laughs> special quality in, in other people. That's great for you to be able to see that yeah. as a child. Um, did you have anybody influence you or mentor you as a, as a child other than mom and dad? Um, I, really, there's just one that stands out to me. It was actually a fourth grade teacher that I had that made fourth grade the most amazing school year ever because he was so creative and he um, actually made our classroom a town. And so we had a government and we had money and we built a rocket ship. And, um, and it really, you know, stood out to me that you can make a difference, you know, by doing things like that. You can really make a difference. And um, so I always, you know, looked at that as I as I was moving forward in my life and, you know, different things that you could do to inspire other people because he inspired me. So and, and what was he trying to teach that inspired you? I just I think um, so many more things than what you would normally get in your fourth grade classroom, you know, yeah, at eight about or nine life. years old. Yeah, right? like, yeah. Yeah. About life experiences. And, oh. you know, like we had a bank and we had our own accounts. And wow. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it was really it really like sort of sets you up to 
know what's ahead of you in a way. Yeah. So that yeah. wasn't my fourth grade class. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Very, very inspirational. Um, and then what did you think you wanted to do when you grew up? You have this brewing creativity inside of you and yet you're shy. Did you ever think I want to be when I grow up? Dot, it, dot, dot. Yeah, it was always uh, an artist. That was my mm. lifelong goal from kindergarten all the way through middle school. And um, and so, you know, I did pursue that like in, in extra classes that I could take. I would take extra art classes I somehow had this vision that I would be living in Paris and painting pictures on the sidewalk. Like that was going to be my like career, I guess. Um, but then when you get older and you realize like, you know, you need to make money and <laughs> right, right. Um, so, you know, I, I still, I majored in business in college okay. um, and I minored in art. And so I guess it was, you know, kind of blending the two together and then see what I could potentially do with the creativity and the business. Sounds like, you had mom and dad there with you in college yeah, right. with the business and the, and the creativity. <laughs> yeah, Have you been so. to Paris? No, but I'm planning to go. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Very good. Very yes. good. It's one of my, one of my dreams is to go. Like, yeah. I guess if you say, if you have a bucket list, that's one of my things. Very good. I actually <laughs> just wrote a blog post about bucket list. Okay. You have to check that out. Okay. Um, so you're going to college. Where did you go? University of Connecticut. Okay. And that's where you grew up was in yes. Connecticut, right? Yep. Okay, and you you went to University of Connecticut for all four years, majored in business, minored in art, art. you said. Yeah. And um, you told me a story about what happened at 19 years old with your first business. How did you get into that? I um, through my business classes at college, I oh. this I get very. Um, I'm, I'm not very patient, I guess. So at what I was learning, I thought, well, I could do this now. Like, I don't need to wait, you know, for another three years. Spoken like a true freshman, right? <laughs> so um, I was lucky enough to find a partner, and um, we looked at different business opportunities and ideas. And at the time, um, this will definitely date myself, but VCRs um, just came out. Uh -huh. And so um, that was like the on the upswing of the trend of people renting videos. And um, so we were seeing that and watching it. And um, we found a location in a mall that um, didn't have a video store anywhere around and uh, went to a bank to try to get a loan. And at 19 years old, I thought, you know, it definitely will be turned down. Mm -hmm. But um I guess, however, the story was presented to him. He believed in it and in um, what we could do. And we were able to get a $60,000 loan and open the store. Okay. Hold right there for one second. <laughs> <laughs> Two 19-year-olds, right? Your, your partner. My partner was a few years older. but Okay. Yeah. Going to a local bank, trying to solicit money to start a business, and you get a $60,000 loan. Okay. Let's hold there for one second. <laughs> what gave you the courage to actually do that? that? That's what I've been, I've tried to really analyze. <laughs> I think it's just, you know, I really didn't have anything to lose at that point. You uh -huh. know, I just, um, I think sometimes as you get older, you, you start to overanalyze things because of things that happen in your life. And you're like, oh, well, if I do that, this happened before. So I don't know if I want to do it again. So I think it was just kind of that I was young and I thought, why not, mm -hmm. you know, give it a try and see what happens. That is a great point because I think you're right. As we get older, we start doubting ourselves. We start thinking of past experiences necessarily being future experiences. And right. here you are 
probably being more naive, yeah, you know, exactly. but, but not even thinking about those experiences. So you just go do it. I think that's such a lesson even for us who have had poor experiences in maybe soliciting a bank loan or something else. You don't right. want to take those risks. And here you are at 19 years old in college starting your own business. So do you remember how you guys prepared for presenting anything to the bank? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I got a book on writing a business plan and okay. basically just followed the book and wrote the plan. Um, and we did purchase, it was a video store franchise. So we did have some help from the franchisor as far as um, numbers of the other stores and what they were grossing in revenue. Mm-hmm. So we kind of presented that as part of the business plan. Mm-hmm. So you did um, your research? Yeah, did the research, put together a plan and presented it and uh, went in and the meeting went really well. Who and did you meet with? The bank manager. Just one person? Yeah. So it's the two of you and a manager. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then a week later, we got the phone call that we were approved for the loan. So we were able to pay the franchise fee to the franchisor, oh. and then they helped um, set up the store, and um, and then we were on our way. So you really had kind of the guidance and the expertise surrounding you. You did your research and put that all together yeah. to be able to give something really good to the bank. So. Right. Um, and what else did you use that money for to start? So you paid the, the franchisor. Right. And then all the all the product that we need. So all the videos that went into the store. Inventory. Inventory, the VCRs, um, and the counter register, you know, everything to, to set up the whole store. And was the store successful to it, pay, repay the loan? Yeah, it was very successful. We grew each year. Um, and. There were times I remember pulling up to the store and looking up at it in the sign and saying, I can't believe this is mine. And I was 20. And Oh, my gosh. Um, so, yeah, it was it, during that time. It, it was great. And three years later, three or four years later is when Blockbuster started to pop up. Wow. So you really were ahead of the curve. Yeah. <gasps> That's yeah. awesome, Beth. That's great. Uh, and how did that work with your business classes in school? Because you're still in school while you're doing this, correct? I was in the beginning, and then I, I couldn't be. Okay. Was, yeah, the business took over. Okay. So so you had real-life business experience, and yes. you were really learning, kind of being in the trenches. Yes. And really, did you were you able to go back? I went back part-time okay. um, for take specific business classes I felt I needed, like accounting, mm-hmm. things like that, that were then specific to the business to help keep it growing. Right. So the yeah. classes kind of enhanced what you were yeah, doing exactly. out in the real world. That is fabulous. What a great story. I love that. Um, I, I remember myself at that age, not, I never thought business would be, uh, you know, something I'd be able to do, um, even with a partner. That's great. So that business savvy starts to bubble up in you and you're really learning and kind of, um, getting that craft going as far as being able to, to, um, have that entrepreneurial spirit develop, yeah. let's yeah, say. Definitely. Um, and you, after four years, the, you close a store or what? how you sold it? What, yeah. How does that work? And yeah. A Blockbuster what? opened up near us right. and really started to take a lot of our customers. Oh, um, okay. So we knew and we could see it coming. So we ended up just selling the contents of the store, um, which was fine because the, the time that we had it, I mean, it, it was successful. So, mm-hmm. um, But I knew that I wanted to do something else as I started to see the changes happening. So the year before we sold everything from the store, I started um, – my jewelry, designing jewelry. 
So okay. I was going into New York and, and designing jewelry. And then um, once we sold that, I was able to, to launch with that business and did that for five years. Wow. So how do you transition from video to I know jewelry? it's a strange. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a strange transition. It's exciting. But, um, but it. Again, I think it was it came back to, well, now I had the money that I had made from the video store, so now I could really do something that I wanted to do from the creative aspect of it. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, I took some classes and started to do my designs, and um, and then it just took off. I, I did trade shows and then got purchase orders from stores and um, sold to Nordstrom's. And um, Okay, pause there. <laughs> Because I know a lot of people who make jewelry um, or who want to make jewelry, I yeah. should say. And, you know, they, they kind of tinker around with the, the different things that they're making at home or wherever they're making it. How do you start that? I, I get that you bring a lot of creativity to the table. You want to make jewelry. Are you making this at home? Are you getting stone? What, are the, what is it made of? Like, take me to the beginning because I think this is fascinating. I think it's going to New York City really helped me because I, I took a class there. So when I went there, I started to see, like, where you could b- purchase materials from in New York. So I okay. started purchasing. Then um, I, decide, I decided to open up a little store in New York just <laughs> to sell the jewelry, and I lived above Oh, my okay. Store. Oh, my gosh. And um, somebody had come into the store that worked or was affiliated with um, the Accessories Expo in New York City at the Javits Center. So it was mm-hmm. like a trade show. And she was like, oh, you should get a booth. And, you know, come. I was like, I've never did a trade show before. I don't know what it's all about. Mm-hmm. So she kind of helped me explain, you know, what the show was about um, and filled out the application and got in. And that's how I ended up meeting all the, the retail buyers. So, again, you had somebody else come into your life that you surrounded yourself with who was able to lead you to the information and resources that you were looking for. Right. I kind of detect a trend here. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So you go to the trade show. You find all, you know, you make your contacts, really. Right. And then from there, did you keep the store or or what happened next? No. Then once once we started selling wholesale, Uh we closed the store and then we just focused on wholesale. And I hired some people and we were making the jewelry and just delivering to our our um our stores that we were selling to. And where did you make the jewelry? Um, in Connecticut. I went back to Connecticut. Like at home, or are you in a in? We just uh, got like a warehouse, a small warehouse space. Okay. And, and what what style was the jewelry? What was? It's um like sculptural. It was oh. wire wrapping with um beads, like some antique beads, Austrian crystals. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're kind of like big, like artistic pieces. Yeah. So that um, makes perfect sense for you. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. And how did you get into Nordstrom? They the, the buyers came into the booth and saw it and they loved it. So they placed an order. Yeah, that is fantastic. <laughs> Seriously. Again, bringing that business side of it with that creative. Do, do you see that for yourself that how much business and creativity goes into yeah. what you've been doing? Yes, definitely. That seems like such a great theme. Well, you are watching, or you're listening to, I should say, Women to Watch on WWDB Talk 860. We're going to take a short break, um, and we're going to come back and talk to Beth Perennis, the owner of SIP. She's at www.haveasipsipp.com. And when we come back, we're going to hear a little bit more of Beth's entrepreneurial spirit coming through. She worked at Starbucks and then had an interesting experience with a coffee bar slash bar. And I have a couple questions for you about that one when we come back. (laughs) 
Hello? Hi, Kelly. It's Sue. Are you and Joe going to the kids' game after school today? No, we are stuck in traffic again on our way to the hospital for Joe's IVIG infusion. As usual, we will be at the hospital all day and won't be home in time. This is really becoming a problem with our work and family commitments. Hey, my friend's son receives his infusions at home with Walgreens. You know they are not just a retail pharmacy. Walgreens has a national home infusion program. He used to miss school, but now the Walgreens nurses see him at home after school. Wow, infusions in the comfort of our own home? Yes. Walgreens expert infusion nurses and pharmacists are available 24-7 to provide safe, one-on-one clinical support around your schedule. Talk to your doctor and call Walgreens Infusion Services at 877-974-4844 or go to womentowatch.net for complete details. We will. If we ever get out of this traffic, hearty har har, we can't wait to have these infusions at home with Walgreens. Thanks. Be well. Have you ever wondered about the magic of Paris? Traveled there before? You haven't experienced Paris until you've traveled with us. I'm Chloe Johnson, the owner of CJ Tours. I became hooked on the mystique of all things Parisian after just one visit to the city of life. CJ Tours, a travel, fashion, and product company, provides an experience unlike any other when it comes to exploring the hidden gems of Paris. We connect you with boutiques off the beaten path. We provide the opportunity to go behind the scenes with some of the most celebrated designers Paris has to offer. You can even purchase one-of-a-kind French pieces as mementos of your trip or ask us to source that special piece just for you. CJ Tours and our unique products are designed to provide that Parisian je ne sais quoi and allow you to experience Paris like never before. To learn more, contact me at Chloe Johnston at cjshoppingtours.com or simply visit chloejohnston.com for more information. Are you looking for assistance with your IT demands? Would you like to know that the people you hire have your best interest at heart? InSource is one of the region's most distinguished and fastest-growing technology firms in the Philadelphia area. Their only concern is to deliver your business long-term success to avoid reacting to daily crisis. Recognized as a top employer of IT consultants, they thrive on helping their clients exceed expectations. InSource delivers reliable and effective solutions to the technology needs of both small and large businesses as well as nonprofits and does so with the goals of your business in mind. With over a decade of recognized success, InSource provides its clients with both IT staffing needs as well as putting highly qualified project teams together. InSource is also a partner of ServiceNow, the fastest growing software company in the country. Contact InSource today at 610-592-0800 or visit their website at InSourceNow.com to find the quality help you need. When you are shopping, do you chuckle at the one-size-fits-all tags? Well, wealth management should not take a one-size-fits-all approach either. Companies offer different products and services for women, and they should. All women are different. Your plan should be as unique and personal as you are. So why are you still following your one-size-fits-all financial advisor? Financial advisor Liz Barker of RBC Wealth Management understands this. Her area of expertise is women in transition and being retirement ready. Call Liz Barker, financial advisor at RBC Wealth Management at 484-530-2806. Again, that number is 484-530-2806. Or visit her online at www.lizbarker.com to schedule your complimentary custom wealth management plan today. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. 
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Women to Watch on WWDB Talk 860. My name is Edna Valentino, and I'm guest hosting for Sue Rocco, who's away on vacation today. We are speaking with Beth Parentis of SIP, an eco-beverage company making organic soda. You can find her products at haveasipsipp.com. And before the break, we were talking about... Really, Beth, you're you're all about that creative side, and you're also marrying that uh, to your business side. And we were talking about at 19 years old, having your first business, owning a video store, and then going into jewelry, even selling it at Nordstrom's. And then what? So what was your next uh, <laughs> business endeavor, let's say? Because you have interesting industries that you're getting experience from, and yeah. I think it's it's fascinating. Yeah. I think I was ready at that point to find some structure because um, the the jewelry business, while it was doing really well, it was um, definitely challenging. There was a lot of travel involved and expenses. And um, so I decided to see what it would be like to get a real job. And I wasn't sure how that was going to work because I really hadn't had one, um, but um, was lucky enough to be hired by Starbucks. And I thought it would be an interesting company to work for because I was reading about Howard Schultz and what he was doing with the company. And um, I just thought there would be a lot to learn mm-hmm. from um, from that company. And there was. And um, so I uh, did new store openings and hired um, the initial staff and trained them and worked and got the stores up and running. And I, I really enjoyed it because it almost was like running your own business within a business. But the the things that Starbucks offered um, was unbelievable, the way that they just ran their business. So there was a lot to take away from that. And I knew that I would use it at some point in the future. Right. Here's another business class, yeah. right? And, yeah, exactly. And, and at what when was this? What year or so was this at Starbucks? Um, this was in the early 90s. Okay. So they hired you to open stores in different locations in Connecticut? Right. Or yeah, in at, Connecticut. Okay, so you're still, yeah. you know, where you're familiar. And um, and I, you know, really got to know a lot of my staff that I hired um, and built the teams there. And one of my, um, one of the guys that was on my staff, he was also working in another place um, called Zando Coffee and Bar. And it was one of the concepts that had come out where it was a coffee bar during the day and then a bar at night. And had like couches. It was kind of around the time of Friends because like coffee oh, shops yeah. with couches. And it was really a great concept. And it took off in Connecticut. They opened up two locations and they wanted to open up a third. And so he set up a meeting for me to meet them because he just thought knowing who I was like as an entrepreneurial person that I would really like these three partners that started it. And maybe somehow I could be a part of it. And of course I did. I clicked with them and they recruited me and I, their next door they wanted to open was in Philadelphia. So that's what brought me to Philadelphia. Oh, okay. um, and I did basically the similar type of job that I was doing for Starbucks, but for them. And I could bring a lot of the knowledge and the expertise that I had gained, um, in, in their business. And well, what were some of those learnings that you learned from Starbucks that you brought to Zando's as far I, as building teams? Cause that's, yeah. that's not an easy thing to no, do. No, it's, it's not. And I think like for me, I definitely go by my gut instinct. I, you know, when I, I meet someone to, to, um, interview them, it's not so much just about what's on their resume, but it's like how they are as a person, um, and how they could then fit in with the team that was already in place. So I think it wasn't so much hiring as an individual person. Can this person do the job? It was more, can this person do the job, but also can they fit in with the existing team? Because that's important 
Um, is that chemistry the there? The chemistry, right? exactly. Yeah. That's the word I was trying to That's think. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah so to make sure that they had chemistry was really important because then I knew that they could work together successfully as a team. Now, how do you find that in somebody? You're somebody sitting across from you. You're doing an interview. Yeah. What, what tells you they're going to have chemistry with your team? Well, what I would try to do actually is is incorporate have them meet somebody that was already on the team that I felt was in a senior position or that has been doing really well in the company and I knew was an instrumental part of our existing team and then have that person meet with that person and then see how they connect and get their feedback. And I think that also helped from the perspective of the team feeling, the existing team feeling Mm -hmm. like that they're a part of who is coming in and working with them. And right. that it's not just me choosing the person and bringing them in saying, hey, you have to work with this person now, right. whether you Figure like it out. or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that also helped with the whole feeling of like a, a family sort of feeling mm-hmm. because they were a part of, had a part of bringing this person into the team. That's great. That, I, I can see how that would definitely uh, work. Now at Starbucks, you also told me about an award you won. Yes, for the lowest turnover in the district for employee turnover. In that type of business, there's a lot of turnover. I mean, it's, you know, people part-time jobs, they come and they go. Um, But there's a lot of training involved in in, um, that type of job. And I mean, being a barista, learning how to do espresso drinks. And um, so it was really important to hold on to the people that that you bring in. And um, so... Um, yeah, so the hiring that I did, that's was the award, was lowest. And that's that's really saving the company a lot of money, yeah. you know, when you think about all that training that you do have to do right. for every part-timer that comes in. And then you've created an environment where people want to stay. Right. So you bring the people who already work there, who are doing a great job and might be senior level, mm-hmm. to be a part of the interviewing process um, or, you know, bringing in somebody new to right. see if that chemistry is there. What other parts of that environment, what are the pieces to that environment that you've created? And maybe you weren't so... Um, doing this on purpose, you know, right. kind of happened maybe with your personality. But looking back on it now, what else do you um, have to do to create an environment where you create low turnover? I think also it's showing that you that you can also be a part of the team as well. Like you're a manager, but you willing to get in there during Christmas rush when the line's out the door and actually make espresso drinks yes. yourself instead of standing over and you know telling people what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I. Also asked their feedback a lot. Um, and so I think that helped me to know that, you know, I'm on the right track. And that was a lot of the feedback that I got is that I was willing to jump in and, and do the things that they were doing if 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 need be. And right. so I think that kind of helps with the whole camaraderie. That's that's great. Um, and you said that you were you were working probably really long weeks setting up this new store. Yeah, and, especially with Sando Coffee and Bar because. It was a coffee bar during the day, so we opened at 6 a.m., and then it was a bar at night, so we closed at 2 a.m. Oh, wow. So between the setup hours in the morning and then the cleaning at night, we were only closed for one hour in the middle of the night. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it it was a lot of long hours. It was exciting to be part of building something, and I liked the transition from Starbucks to Zando just because I had more ability to create I mean, Starbucks drinks are already created. They come from corporate. So, I mean, you kind of just follow sure. what you need to do. But I took sort of that experience and was able to use it in Zando and create their beverage menu. And so decide on 
bringing in local microbrews and um, that was something new for them. But I, I was into that at the time. So I said, let's try it. You know, let's look at local microbrews and bring them in on tap and um, create different cocktails like mocha martini, mm-hmm. tying in the coffee with, you know, cocktails. And so um, it was, again, that creative side sort of took over and I, I really enjoyed doing that. The hours was the downside, but <laughs> yeah, the, the hours seemed long. Um, and we're at, at this point, are you still single? Doing yes, crazy but I was engaged, and... and so that was also a challenge because I was working 90 hours, and really the only time that my fiancé could see me was... Within that one hour was... in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, coming into the place, like coming into where I was working. Like, oh, and was... so you're in Philly. Was he in Philly as well? Yeah. Okay, so, so at yeah, least he was he... local. He wasn't traveling well, from he Connecticut. Well, he transferred, he oh, transferred okay. yeah, down to he got a job in Philadelphia so oh, we could great. be together. Okay. And it was still crazy. Yeah. Okay. So how how many stores did you open for Zando? Uh two. Two stores? Yeah. Okay. And then time for the next thing, right? right. <laughs> how did you segue from Zando to what you did next and what was it? It was really more of a lifestyle change just okay. because I knew like with the hours that I was working and, and what we wanted to do, you know, for our future. Um it it just it wouldn't work. And mm-hmm. so I really looked at you know, what I liked about my job and, you know, the hiring and the staffing and, you know, what I could do well. And so I, I kind of took that and then went into a corporate position and did um, staffing and hiring for other companies. Oh, great. So you were still building teams, which right. you were quite successful at, and now you're doing it in a corporate environment. Right. Okay. And did you love it? I I loved it in the fact of what I was learning, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know that it was going to that I don't know that I knew that it was going to be my thing forever. Okay. But, um, fair enough. And what were you learning? Um, learning again about all different businesses because I was doing hiring for different businesses. So I would learn, you know, about what that business, what they did in their business and Mm -hmm. how they ran their business and what type of people they were looking for. And, um, so that it again, sort of helped me, um, discover, you know, what different businesses were doing, were there any cool businesses, industries that, that you were like, wow, this is so neat to be working with? Yeah, I mean, there there were many because a lot of them were startup type companies. Oh, okay. and, um, so they were looking to hire their initial staff or like mm-hmm. ahead of a, a st- you know, VP or something. Um, so learning about the different job descriptions and what people do and the companies, um, you know, that part of it definitely was interesting. But I still was sort of missing that creative side right. to it. That was that was fulfilling one of them. Yeah. Um, as far as building the teams and having that environment. Yeah. Um, what, how big were these teams that you were trying to build? Are they small teams, big teams? Well, at, in the, at Zando Coffee and Bar, it was um, anywhere from 60 to 70 people because of oh, wow. the, the oh, amount right. of hours open and the shifts. Yeah. And a lot of them were part-time. Um, so it, that was, it was a big team to, to manage. Right. Was that one of your bigger teams to do? Mm -hmm. And so you get into Zando, you get excited about making drinks and that kind of thing. Then you get into your corporate position. Mm -hmm. Did you, do you think that just going back to Zando for a second, that that was the beginning of SIP in your mind as far as doing the drinks or does, is that not connected? I think so. I mean, I I didn't know that that's where I was going with it, but Mm -hmm. I knew that when I was doing it, I really loved it. And then when I found out that one of the cocktails that I created was the number one selling cocktail on the menu. Yes. um, Then I knew that I had... I guess 
you know, a knack for it or something. You know, the the flavors that I was blending together was the top selling drink. So I think I knew it was there in the back of my mind, but I didn't know necessarily, oh, I'm going to take this now and run with it in, into a business. But, right. Okay. So the seed was planted at Zendo. Yeah, I think that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> and how long were you at the, the staffing company? Um, for about seven years. Seven years. Okay. Yeah. So that was a good chunk of time. Yeah. Okay. So you didn't think necessarily that you wanted to do that forever. So how do you segue from that to what was next for you? It was um, really getting laid off was um, okay. was really the, I think, what sort of spurred me to say, okay, what am I going to do now? Okay. Um, when was this? What what year was so did you get laid off? was um, like five years ago. Oh, okay. So very recent. Yeah. Okay. Um, five, yeah, five to six years ago. Um, and then, you know, I really had to look at, you know, do I want to go back to the corporate world again and then potentially like learn all this and get it and then get laid off and be in the same situation. Right. It was at the time where a lot of people were getting laid off. Right. Um, so, um, I, and was that a surprise to you to get, yeah, laid it off? was, you it weren't was expecting this. Yeah, there was a change in our company, and mm-hmm. somebody else came in and just made a bunch of corporate decisions, so a bunch of us got laid off. It was multiple people. How much notice did you get? Um, no notice. Really? <laughs> yeah, no. Like you went in one like, day and they went said... went in one day and said, that's it. Yeah. And, so, and what were you thinking? I, I was devastated. Uh-huh. I was really devastated because I was the staffing director, and I had a team under me. And um, How many were under you? Um, I think I had like eight people okay. were under me and were they laid off as well? No. Okay. So they basically eliminated my position mm-hmm. so that, um, it, it was just a different plan of how he wanted to have it structured. Mm-hmm. Um, and the director of training was laid off. There was a bunch of people that, that got laid off. It was just basically to eliminate costs. Right. Right. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I was, cause I had worked hard to, to build this team and, you know, it was, we were doing really well and, and there was no hint that this was coming. Seven just years. Just the fact on- that this new VP came in and, you know, there was, you know, people were wondering like what was going to happen. Right. You know, because of that, just because it was a big change. Mm-hmm. But, um, I don't think everybody really knew that that was going to be the end result. Mm-hmm. So, and so you go in on a Monday and I mean, is that how they did it? Yeah. Literally, you went in and they said they offered me to take a lower position if if I okay. you know, to stay on in the company if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. But because of what I had built um, in the company, it was I, I knew that, like, I wouldn't be able to do that. Right. Um, so I just thought, you know, they did offer severance. So I took that time to to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do at that point. And what did your husband say? Um, he. He's always been supportive, you know, of, of my ideas, and he's he's always known me to be entrepreneurial, so I think he's used to it. Mm-hmm. So he was, you know, like, whatever you want to do, you know, if we can make it, go for it. Right. That's awesome, and that's who you want to have your back, right? Right, right. And, and you had a son at yes. this point, too, so you've got a family, and you got to figure out what's, what's going to happen next for you. Yeah. Well, that's where it gets really juicy and exciting, <laughs> right? Um, we're going to take a short break. You're listening to Women to Watch on WWDB Talk 860, and when we come back, we're going to hear more of Beth's story and what she's doing right now with SIP. Hello? Hi, Kelly. It's Sue. Are you and Joe going to the kids' game after school today? 
No, we are stuck in traffic again on our way to the hospital for Joe's IVIG infusion. As usual, we will be at the hospital all day and won't be home in time. This is really becoming a problem with our work and family commitments. Hey, my friend's son receives his infusions at home with Walgreens. You know they are not just a retail pharmacy. Walgreens has a national home infusion program. He used to miss school, but now the Walgreens nurses see him at home after school. Wow, infusions in the comfort of our own home? Yes, Walgreens expert infusion nurses and pharmacists are available 24-7 to provide safe, one-on-one clinical support around your schedule. Talk to your doctor and call Walgreens Infusion Services at 877-974-4844 or go to womentowatch.net for complete details. We will, if we ever get out of this traffic, hearty har har. We can't wait to have these infusions at home with Walgreens. Thanks. Be well. Are you looking for assistance with your IT demands? Would you like to know that the people you hire have your best interest at heart? InSource is one of the region's most distinguished and fastest-growing technology firms in the Philadelphia area. Their only concern is to deliver your business long-term success to avoid reacting to daily crisis. Recognized as a top employer of IT consultants, they thrive on helping their clients exceed expectations. InSource delivers reliable and effective solutions to the technology needs of both small and large businesses as well as nonprofits and does so with the goals of your business in mind. With over a decade of recognized success, InSource provides its clients with both IT staffing needs as well as putting highly qualified project teams together. InSource is also a partner of ServiceNow, the fastest growing software company in the country. Contact InSource today at 610-592-0800 or visit their website at InSourceNow.com to find the quality help you need. Have you ever wondered about the magic of Paris? Traveled there before? You haven't experienced Paris until you've traveled with us. I'm Chloe Johnston, the owner of CJ Tours. I became hooked on the mystique of all things Parisian after just one visit to the City of Light. CJ Tours, a travel, fashion, and product company, provides an experience unlike any other when it comes to exploring the hidden gems of Paris. We connect you with boutiques off the beaten path. We provide the opportunity to go behind the scenes with some of the most celebrated designers Paris has to offer. You can even purchase one-of-a-kind French pieces as mementos of your trip or ask us to source that special piece just for you. CJ Tours and our unique products are designed to provide that Parisian je ne sais quoi and allow you to experience Paris like never before. To learn more, contact me at Chloe Johnston at cjshoppingtours.com or simply visit chloejohnston.com for more information. When you are shopping, do you chuckle at the one-size-fits-all tags? Well, Wealth Management should not take a one-size-fits-all approach either. Companies offer different products and services for women, and they should. All women are different. Your plan should be as unique and personal as you are. So why are you still following your one-size-fits-all financial advisor? Financial advisor Liz Barker of RBC Wealth Management understands this. Her area of expertise is women in transition and being retirement ready. Call Liz Barker, financial advisor at RBC Wealth Management at 484-530-2806. Again, that number is 484-530-2806. Or visit her online at www.lizbarker.com to schedule your complimentary custom wealth management plan today. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC.
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Women to Watch on WWDB Talk 860. My name is Edna Valentino, and um, I'm sitting in today for Sue Rocco, who's away on vacation. She'll be back, I believe, next week. We are speaking with Beth Parentis of SIPP, S-I-P-P, um, company. It's an eco-beverage company. We're going to find out what an eco-beverage company is in a minute, making organic soda. You can find her products at haveasip, S-I-P-P, dot com. And um, we've really been hearing about your creative juices flowing. Pardon the pun. I guess that's a really <laughs> bad one. <laughs> <laughs> and um, bringing, marrying that together with your, your business savvy. And you've really taken such an interesting journey um, through business. So before the break, we were talking about how you got laid off from your corporate job after seven years. And you walked in one day and they said, here's your pink slip. And then you go home and your husband's like, I support you. What are you going to do next? Right? <laughs> right. So, And that was really the, the birth of, of SIP. Um, and, and what it is today, it, it wasn't exactly that in the beginning. Right. Pick up where you left off on how did you go from being um, in a staffing position in a corporate company to getting laid off to uh, having a beverage company? How do you go there? <laughs> yeah, well, that wasn't my intention. What I, um, and I mean, it just it really kind of it led itself um, on its way through the decisions that I made after once I got laid off. And you know, I really had to, again, look at, you know, what I love to do and, you know, do I want to go and work for a company doing that or do I try to create something on my own? And I really um, utilized my network of friends and it was really helpful to and I would recommend that for anybody in this situation because your friends know you and mm-hmm. sometimes you don't see things in yourself um, and, and your friends can help you and guide you and um, it during that time period, I remember how um, critical that was for me to have them and supporting me and in, in talking through, you know, some ideas or things that I wanted to do and hearing their feedback and saying, this is what we see you when you light up, when you do this, you know, when you are entertaining and you have people over and you make incredible cocktails and I go home and I can't stop thinking about it and I have to email you the next day for the recipe because uh-huh. it was so amazing like that. You know, there's something that's there. Mm-hmm. And so then I kind of tied it back to Zando and how I was creating the cocktails there. And I looked at what I was doing from an entertaining standpoint and what I really love to do. And it was really trying to find natural and organic products to mix together and create cocktails and not use the standard mixes that you see out there. Because if you look at the ingredients, there's like 40 ingredients and some of them you can't even pronounce. So you don't even know what you're drinking, but people go for that because it's the easiest thing to do to mix, to make a drink. Um, And so in really looking at that, I created a website called Eco Bar. And really the concept behind that was organic cocktails Mm -hmm. and taking all the information that I knew and that I use and putting it up on the website. And, um, I, that was I didn't really know where I was going with it. I just kind of was going to I loved it and I'm just going to try this. So were you happens. thinking this is going to be a hobby or were you thinking I'm going to make a business out of I it? I thought I would make something out of it. Maybe it was going to be a book or maybe um, it, there was something that was there. Like I knew it was there, but I just didn't know what yet. So I just thought, let me just put it on here. And again, that was sort of my create. Like I love creating websites. So 
Um, I love doing that. I just put everything up on there. And I started to get calls from people asking me if I could do events and make the cocktails and things that I was having on the website. Oh, wow. So I thought maybe this is what I'm supposed to be doing. It's eco bar cocktail catering. Right. So I really started to focus on that and did that for two years and created my cocktails at events, which was not really realizing, but what I was doing was almost sort of test marketing my product without knowing it because I was able to make products and there were so many people at the events giving me feedback Right. That I could have instant marketing. You had your focus group, Yeah, right? exactly. And what kind of events were these that you were at? They were, um, like, things that tied in with um, something that was eco-friendly. So there was, um, like, a, a condo complex that was all eco-friendly. Oh, and they did okay. a grand opening, and they had their open house, and so they had a party. They had the Sixers there, and it was, like, a huge event. So I set up three bars. We did organic cocktails to sort of tie in with the eco-friendly right? Um, and created specific cocktails for each event. So it was somehow it always tied in with like the green or the eco. Okay. If it was a company like that, they wanted to then have the cocktails that tied in with. And we're talking know, about doing. five years ago, right? Yeah. So this is about the time we're really picking up speed in this right. in this industry. Right. Really, the eco-friendly, the green is coming around. Right. Um, and even spirits that like, you know, vodka and they right. started to come out as uh, certified organic. The people didn't realize that. So um, I also thought like I was providing information to people. So maybe that's, you know, what I could do as consulting. Oh, um, so I started to talk to some restaurants about that. So I was really just kind of trying to find my way of like what it was that this was going to become. Right. But I knew that I loved doing it. Yeah. So you know, how did you get me. to the trade show in Philly? So I... Um, Really, like I, I thought, how can I expose this to people so they could see what it is? I didn't even really know what it was, but uh-huh. I knew that it, there was something there, Eco Bar. Like people were drawn to the name. So um, I decided that there was this, um, it was like a green fest in Philadelphia. And I thought, these are the type of people that would understand what I'm doing. And maybe I could just go set up a bar and not really serve alcohol, but say, you know, sell the catering business or something. But it, just get the name out there. Mm-hmm. And um, my husband thought I was crazy because he said, you don't even really know what you're doing, so what are you going to set up? And we were maybe going to go to the beach that weekend, um, and I thought I could go and relax on the beach or I could somehow pull together something to go to this this um, event mm-hmm. and um, literally made the decision the night before that, you know, something was pulling me to do it. went to Target bought a whole bunch of stuff to set up <laughs> the booth, like a bookshelf, turn it into a bar, you know, bought clementines in a bowl. It was orange, so it tied in with the logo. The logo was orange and gray and just pulled it all together the night before and went down and set it up and really didn't know what I was doing. But we had so many people coming over to our booth saying, what's an eco bar? I want to go. Where can I get one? I want to drink. Yeah. <laughs> it's not so cool. It's yeah. got that cool factor to yeah, it. Yeah, it was right? fun. I mean, it was really fun. Like, I didn't know what I was selling, but <laughs> right. Right. but people were drawn to it. And they're like, oh, I want to I want to drink. So I thought, well, maybe I should open up an eco bar. Like, But it was great just to hear people's feedback. Mm-hmm. And I did get some events out of it, the you know, private events to do to make cocktails. So mm-hmm. I was able to generate some some money from it by doing the events. And um, so, you know, it was that kind of, I think, was what really spurred the whole thing forward. So then how do you get to developing the actual beverage? So I'm doing these events and hearing people talk about the beverages that I was creating. 
a lot, mostly what I would get is, I want to buy this after the event. Where can I get it? And mm-hmm. then I would say, well, I, I don't, you know, sell it. I just make it for the event. So then I thought, well, I could try to tell people how to make it. So if I was making something with blackberries, mint, and lime, I would say, well, you buy blackberries, you buy mint, you get a modeler, you model it, and you, I could just see like the steer and the headlights. I just look. got that. What's a modeler? <laughs> right. What's a modeler? You mean I have to buy three ingredients just for one cocktail? Right, right. So that was kind of the light bulb moment because I thought to myself, you know, it is kind of hard for people to buy all these different ingredients and just to make one drink or two right. drinks. Right. So why isn't there anything out in the market that has three flavors in one? Like sometimes you'll see like cranberry orange or something or, you know, cranberry lime, but three unique flavors in one that somebody could just open and drink by itself or pour it and have an instant cocktail. But it would have to be all natural and certified organic. So no preservatives. Okay. So you go home and you start thinking this is, this is the label. Maybe this This is what it is. Where I need to go is make this for people. Yeah. Right. And one of the things, um, when I was reading about your story, um, you have, you, you give it in detail on your website so beautifully, (laughs) um, was really trying to keep it simple. Um, and at the same time, you go back to all of your resources and you start calling people yeah. to try to figure out some of the answers. Tell me more about who you reached yeah. out to. So I thought, you know, I, I've never created a beverage before. I don't know anything about beverage manufacturing, but I'm sure there's consultants out there, people that you can pay that can help you take your beverage from an idea to a reality. Mm-hmm. And so I found... And were a- you scared? I don't mean to interrupt you, but that sounds like a scary idea. I want to make a drink and yeah. I don't know how to do it. And I'm sure somebody out there can help me. I think it actually goes back to the, uh, to being naive like, uh-huh, uh-huh. again, because Which like, it's a great place to yeah, be, I think when, yeah. you, when you're doing this. Yeah, I really, I think that's what it is because like, I seriously in some way thought this could be simple. Yeah. Like I know, you know, I know about flavors, uh-huh. but you know, I could just put it in a bottle and put a name on it. Um, and you know what your customers, potential right, customers would want because they're want. giving you that feedback. Yeah. Okay. So, so you're, you're reaching out to different yeah. people. And it really, I think at that point before I, I found this consultant, I was thinking it was simple until I got on the phone with her. But I was thinking, you know, she's a woman. She's been in the business for 30 years. This is going to be great. You know, maybe we can collaborate and she can help me and I won't have to pay her up front. Because, again, everything was sort of done on a shoestring because I was laid off and I gave myself, you know, a certain time period that we could live on. Until How much time I would did you give yourself? find a job. Um, six months. Okay. You gave yourself six months to do this. Okay. Yeah. So you're talking to this woman on the phone and, um, and so I'm, t- I'm telling her what, you know, my idea and everything, I'm all excited. And she was like, and I said, you know, could you think you could work with me? You know, maybe a discount in the beginning. And she's like, no, she's like, I've been in this business and you know, too many people fail. And, you know, while you might think you have a great concept, you have a long road ahead of you. And if you don't have a million dollars, you might as well forget it now because it's just a money drain. And, um, and I'm not, you know, if you want to pay me up front $30,000, you know, I can help you, but, you know, and she said, and the reality of it is, is that 85% of all beverage businesses that start fail. Wow. So, um, 85%. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. Cause there are a lot is, of beverages out there I know. that are, you know, are, 15%. It is so competitive. It's wow. amazing. I didn't realize how competitive it was, but I mean, it was sort of an eye opener, but at the same time I was so discouraged because I thought, hey, she didn't even like my idea. <laughs> you know, I have a good idea, but yeah. you know, she just was so negative that I was like, ah, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this. Sounds too hard. Like, I don't know. Everything she was telling me, like, you need to go to conferences, and you, you know, do you have? 
have a flavor house and who's your co-packer? Like she was using terms that I didn't even know. Uh-huh. So I was like, I don't know. This is just maybe it's just going to be too hard. And I did go to bed that night thinking, you know, this probably isn't the direction. But I woke up the next day and said, wait, it is. And why? Why is it that we always seem to go into the negative of like, well, 85% of all beverage businesses fail, so I guess that's where I'm going to fall. Right. But why can't I fall into the 15% of the beverage businesses that succeed? Exactly. So it's really just taking the negative to a positive. And um, and sometimes you have to like mentally tell yourself that. Right. You know, just talk to yourself to talk yourself you know, into a positive direction. Exactly. Well, so uh, we're going to fast forward just a little bit and, and sip is, is doing amazingly well, right? Yeah. You've got four flavors. Yes. Um, and w- what are a couple of the flavors? Um, ginger blossom is the one we launched with it's ginger, lime and vanilla mm-hmm. and mojo berries, blackberry, mint and lime. And, um, our newest flavor is lemon flower. It's lemon, elderflower and tarragon. And they're all certified organic, all natural and sweetened with agave and they're lightly sweetened. Okay. So, um, one of the, one of the quotes that you have on your website is my hope is to inspire you to live your passion and be prepared for your moment of opportunity. Yes. Do you feel that your moment of opportunity is here now with SIP? Yes, I do. And I, I hope that for others that are also, you know, have ideas that they follow their passion and that's kind of the mission behind the brand is soda inspiring people's passions, which is also an acronym for SIP. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's my hope of the mission behind the brand as well. Well, I love that story, and I know we're not finishing it, but you say it beautifully on your website, and I want everybody to go to haveasipsipp.com and read more about Beth's story. Sip is in um, Wegmans now. You said you just yes. got picked up at Wegmans. Whole Foods. Um, Whole Foods. So we're really getting some traction with the soda, and I'm so excited for you to be here. Thank you so much for being my guest today on Women to Watch. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Women to Watch. Sue Rocco will be back next time with with another woman to watch. I wanted just a couple housekeeping details real quick. We are um, starting a newsletter. If you go to our website, women2watch.com, it's called The Monthly Mirror. You can get some information there. We do have a new website coming in less than a month, so that's exciting. Keep an eye out for that. And you can visit us on Facebook, women to watch and Twitter, women to watch talk We welcome all your comments and suggestions, and thank you again for listening to Women to, to Watch.